Welcome to the Player 2 Podcast with Sean and Ian, where all we do is games. Hi, welcome everybody to the Player 2 Podcast with Sean and Ian. Uh, we've got a special guest with us today. We've got Bannon Rudis. Uh, you may know him as a director, game designer, and artist for Way Forward, uh, known for his work on River City Girls, River City, Ransom Underground, and Mummy Demastered. How are you today? I am good. Because I'm not working. So I want to thank you for being on the show. Um, you know, we're still a relatively new podcast, so it's nice that people still want to come on and chat games with us because we just love talking about video games. Now, how, how new are we talking? Our first episode launched on March 29th. You're just a baby. We're just yeah. a baby, yes. <laughs> yeah. New. So, new yeah. Well, <laughs> a little new, but, you know, we, we've, had, uh, we've had a lot of good people on board. Uh, we've had Karina Becker from Genshin Impact um, on our first episode, um, as well as your friend, Megan McDuffie. I, I've and, heard of her. Um, you've, yeah. you've heard of her, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Might be familiar with her just a little bit. But uh, it, it's nice that a lot of people have come on board, so we appreciate you, you spending some time with us here today. Yeah. Thank you for being here. I mean, the, the $3,000 so, you sent me was great. That was good incentive. <laughs> uh, that was Bitcoin, yeah, right? Yeah, that's the first half. So bless, bless. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so we, yeah, we just kind of want to pick your brain a little bit about you know what it's like in terms of the video game is- industry, the roles of you know director, artist, designer, um, you know, and you know just what they do, how the indie games fit into the overall video game landscape, and um, you know some of your some of your past work and some of the things you want to do and some of the things you got going on. Is that, that okay with you? Um, yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, as we said earlier, um, you know, on your, on your bio, you have that you are a director, artist, designer for way forward. Um, can you maybe give us a little insight as to what the main responsibilities for those roles really are? No. So when I first started there, I think I've been there about five years. It's all kind of a blur, especially with like COVID. You kind of forget like, oh, it's been over a year since we've been doing this. You know, you know, we've been grounded and sent to our rooms. Um, Yeah. So when I first got there, uh, I was hired because a guy named Adam Tierney saw the River City Ransom Underground stuff. And it was like, oh, he animated all this stuff and he had to design all this stuff. That seems pretty good enough to like hire this guy and see what he can do um so i was hired to be a director eventually i just sat at a desk for like two weeks they didn't really know what to do with me yet so i just sat there (laughs) and you know i I was i grew up in the restaurant business like that was my family they did all that kind of stuff so me going from that to trying to be an actor and like writer director kind of person and you know, it's a it's Los Angeles. It's a big, a big pond, small, tiny, tiny little fish. I got this job and I sat there for two weeks going, they're going to fire me. Like, I, I don't know <laughs> what I'm doing. I, I made one game. It was my first game I ever did. We did a Kickstarter and it actually went through and I quit my job. I was serving. I was like, I saw the actual like text saying like, we got the money. And I was like, God, and I was like, I quit. And he's like, you got to put in two weeks. I was like, I'll put in two days. That's all I'm giving you. Yeah, I gotta yeah. go. Bye. So I jumped <laughs> headfirst into this. So got hired, sat there for two weeks, stressing out, 
calling my girlfriend at the time going, they're going to fire me. I'm like, no, they're not going to fire you. They just hired you. They started me off doing The Mummy Demastered. They wanted me to shadow Austin Ivinsmith. He's the guy that did uh, the DuckTales remastered game. Sure. Yep. Okay. And we were working on the mummy thing, and they were just like, follow Austin. Just see what he does. Shadow him. But you're going to be animating, because that's what primarily I was doing at the time. So I went from pixel animation and helping out with design, then going directly into, um, they're like, okay, did you follow Austin, shadow him? I was like, good enough, I guess. Yeah, sure. Um, (laughs) And they wanted to see how I would design River City Girls. And that was like my first test as kind of a director. It was me and Adam directed that game and designed it together. Um, he, He did do the pitch towards me at first going like we're gonna go in a different direction he doesn't sound like that but you know just imagine him with a cigar in his, his in his fingers and he's like does sound old yeah, timey he, yeah. listen here kid we're gonna do something different kids will love it and it was very different from the original river city ransom that i was used to and grew up on so i had to kind of learn the way forward way of how to direct and how to like you know view things from a different point of view and like no this is how you make a bigger like commercial game to a wider audience not a like a very niche audience so from there i learned how to direct and then just how to lead a team and they said i was really good at it and now they just keep bumping up my responsibilities of like can you design this can you draw this get a mock-up done i'm like well i'll just draw it i'll save us money whatever and so oh, yeah and then nothing wrong with that now they have me in charge of uh, a project and somewhat another project helping out thing, whatever's happening. In terms of like being a director, say on River City yeah. Girls, what are you essentially in charge of? Is it just the general direction of the project or do you have kind of minute control over little individual pieces? So the, uh, on River City Girls, I'm labeled as assistant director, but I had to be there a hundred percent of the time and like, you know, design the GDD. The GDD is the game design document. That's where it all like stems from. You do that before you even start making the game. You just write down all the ideas. I've seen um, software for it, but it's like a branching idea type path, like a bubble. No, it's not that. It's an actual like Google doc. That's how I write them. Oh, it's you straight up. Hey, here's the synopsis. Um, Here's our little chapters, like write down what the enemies are and stuff like that. Um, What you're thinking of um, yeah, there's a flow chart thing and I usually use that for yeah. levels and what, Hey, if you beat this thing, then we come down to here. And then if you don't do that, it okay. branches off here, that kind of stuff. But for the most part, the GDD is like the Bible. It's like a huge instruction manual. So I get very, I get very in the minutia of this enemy. Uh, we'll, we'll say this. If there is a, a, a Goomba in Mario, he walks at you. He hits you, you die. It's like, okay. But if I just write that to a programmer, go, uh, it's, uh, it's a thing and it walks, touches you and dies. Where does it walk? How fast does it walk? If it hits a wall, does it go the opposite direction? Like all that kind of stuff. Does it queue up when the player sees it or when the, the, the enemy sees the player? Does it walk over? Tell I, This is the stuff that I write down and just think of every scenario just like, playing this invisible game in my head. If it hits a edge, does it fall off? If it does, we need an animation where it's not in its walking state because it would just be walking and falling. We need we right. need jump fall. You know, we need fall and then landing. So it's like it just sure. it just accumulates and that all goes in kind of the GDD or at least how I write them. 
Gotcha. Interesting. That's a very interesting process. It's an annoying process, by the way. <laughs> I could <Yeah>. imagine. <laughs> so when somebody has an idea for a game and they're trying to, you know, say bring it to a company, I mean, do they generally show up with like a demo of the game or do they say, hey, you know, I really like this mechanic. Can we maybe build a game on this mechanic or I have this character? Like how, how does somebody with a game idea generally, you know, pitch it to someone like you know a higher up or a boss like hey can we pursue this so that usually um goes to publishing publishing are the people that try to pursue something or if an outside company or a publisher wants to come to us with their ip and go hey we kind of like what you do do you want to work with us publishing will figure out how like what what is going to be the cut between both of them how much is each company going to be putting in what kind of game what what is it like, what do you even want? Uh, I mean, we'll just say like, um, we'll say the Sunny Delight people come to us and they're like, we want a Sunny Delight video game. I have to pick something so nebulous because we do pursue so many things and I want anybody like going, oh my God, they're doing this. I was like, no, Sunny Delight. <laughs> I'm going to think you're doing a Sunny yeah, Delight I know, game, it's, you know? It's, this yeah. is going to spiral out of control <laughs> now. Um, Sunday D they come to us and they're like, we want a game of solar energy. And what, do, what do we got here? And it's like, well, how viable is this? Like, let's figure this out. We don't even have anything yet. That's it's all nebulous. It's, it doesn't have any form yet. So what we do is do a mock-up and a mock-up is where we just get an artist. Uh, sometimes I just do it myself or if I'm too busy, I hire an artist and we do, this is what the game would look like. We just try to like come up with some thing. Is it a side scroller? Yeah, sure. But is it a Metroidvania side scroller? Oh shit. Oh yeah, maybe. Yeah, we'll we'll go there. But it's there's so <laughs> many things like oh, there's backtracking and stuff like that. Like let's make it a side scroller for right now. So get an artist, do the UI, do everything, make it look like if this was a game, this is a screenshot from it. Okay. And then I would write up like a small, like little GDD thing saying, hey, this is what I have planned for this. So you have the visual and then you have, here's your little instruction manual of how this actually plays out. So. So do publishers generally take their game idea and send it to like multiple development companies just to get multiple perspectives then? Yeah. I mean, I, I have seen before um, just talking with other dev friends of like, Hey, we're talking to this company. It's like, oh, I thought we were talking to them. Like, it's, it's who, it's, <laughs> and honestly, I, it's whoever is the best fit. That's what I'm always like. Sure. Um, if somebody, like a casting call. Yeah. Almost. If somebody comes to Platinum Games and they ask for like a puzzle game, I'm like, that's probably not the best. Like, don't get the bayonet of people to make a puzzle game. Like, go to them for right. action, <laughs> fighting, like tight combat stuff. So, but it is one of those things of, this is like in the film industry is if you have just this, you know, low grade little show or movie and you have Pepsi in there, they always cover up the label. But if you're, you know, if you're, if you're hot shit, then Pepsi wants to be in your movie and they pay you for like, Hey, we'll give you money to show up in transformers. So it's one of those weird things of, do you pursue the company and the the franchise and the IP that you want? Or do you wait for them to come to you? It's, it's just a, like it's a chicken and egg thing it's like we want that thing give us that thing so it 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 can go it can go either way we can say hey let's mock up let's mock up that dr pepper game we've been talking about let's do a mock up and go to the dr pepper (laughs) people 
and they see the mock up. I just I just keep thinking of the uh, I just keep thinking of those old games that they used to just pump out that were uh, very much so product placement. I remember there was like a Kool Aid Man game, the Pepsi Man game, the Burger King game, uh, like all these just brands that made these cheap games. Yeah. Dominoes, avoid the Noid. Um, there was Cool Spot. Yo, Noid is actually really fun, though. Yeah. Cool Spot, Seven <laughs> Up, uh, Chester Cheetah. Cool Spot, yeah. yeah that was. Yeah. I yeah. think a lot of that was the SNES days or SNES, whatever people want to call it. Yeah, Super Nintendo, Genesis, and I believe the Burger King game was Xbox. That was an Xbox arcade game. Yeah, they had yep. three yep. different Crazy. ones: Sneak King, the racing <laughs> one, three? and then something else. I forget what it was. Oh, and now they're just making consoles. Yep. Good old KFC. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and chicken, apparently. They they make chicken. Yeah. So. Still yeah, the, chicken, the console heats up your chicken, doesn't it? Is that, is no, that it, it, it keeps it warm. It keeps it warm. Yeah, there it is. It takes right. exhaust from the exhaust from the NVIDIA graphics card and keeps your, keeps your chicken warm. <laughs> <laughs> what a time to be alive. It's ridiculous what people are doing these days just to get their their product out there and make it get some eyes. I mean, on it, it works just, like KFC is killing it. Like they have the, yeah. I don't know if you ever saw the VR training video. I no, highly I recommend, uh, uh, recommend looking up the VR KFC employee training video. Oh no. It is. The, <laughs> is it as bad as the uh, Snoop Dogg hot dogs? At no, Burger it King? is the most amazing video you'll ever see based on a <laughs> fast food franchise. Well, that's I can't tell if it's it. real or that's not. Dope. Yeah. I guess that's the best part yeah. about it. So kind of talking about, you know, like the smaller companies and smaller developers, you know, that are out there, like what, what is it about indie developers and small developers that, you know, their games continue to be so popular and in demand in such a saturated market with, you know, everyone making battle royales and these AAA games and stuff like that. But you get these games that, you know, you can beat them in a couple hours, you can beat them in one sitting, but there's such a demand for them still. What, what do you think it is about? these indie games that just appeal I mean, to the market. The fact that I, I didn't play a Call of Duty game for about a decade. It was this. I still haven't played well, one. Warzone was the first time I actually started playing. I'm like, I've tried. I, I think I played two games of Fortnite. I was like, not for me. And I tried Apex Legends. Not for me. I tried maybe playing for like two hours of that. Something about Warzone really spoke to me. It, it had the same, it reminded me of like, oh, this is what I like about playing a first person shooter. But it's also, sometimes it's 20 minutes of nothing and quietness. And you're just hanging out with your friends, knowing that there's like another group of friends probably in the building next to you. But right. Call of Duty, I saw the same, the gears were just turning the same exact way for about 10 years. And they released, they had Treyarch and Activision, like just pumping them out so fast. I'm like, it's the same game over and over. It's big. It's bombastic. Yep. Right. It just felt like you were dating a really hot supermodel that treated you like shit. It was just, she was hot. <laughs> you knew she wasn't good for you. She was expensive, but it was like, ah, it's, I'm so used to it and I don't want to quit her. But then you get these like quirky, you know, uh, manic pixie dream girls that come ar- around and they're, they're, they're low maintenance. They don't cost a lot. Sometimes it's just a summer fling with them. But they are these awesome like <laughs> experiences that you wouldn't even think of. Like, oh, I, I wouldn't even think of this. Like, uh, I don't even know if this game came out, but I saw this game before where a guy, uh, the main character, uses a door. I saw it at, I think, E3. 
and you use, it's a side scrolling. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, they use a yeah. door that goes through it. And like, the name it's like, what is this? Yep. And I've never done that for like a triple A game really where I'm like, whoa, what is this? So they, they really think outside of the box and they don't have that pressure of being a giant triple A studio. And it's like, well, no, we've got a $60 million budget. And it's like, well, I've got maybe 1 million, if that, you know, with marketing and all that, I have to make something interesting work with this money. It's like when you see like right. an Evil Dead movie, it's like they didn't have barely any money, but they made it work. And that's what people glommed onto and loved about that. And you see a big Michael Bay movie and it's just noise, just explosions. Yeah. So, and, and, and indie movies and indie games are very similar. The movie Cube, people still love that movie. And it's, they had a set and a half to work with. Right. And it's like, yeah. I think it's part of it too, is kind of making that, that passion project you get the ability to go out and make something that is actually your vision and you don't have as many people involved uh, tearing that vision apart. Yeah, and that that can be, um, I mean, I always liken it to the movie business is you get a bunch of producers chomping on their cigars and coming in and going, the kids like this and the kids want this. And it's like, no, just let me finish the movie. So yeah, I think I think that's why it is they're, they're cheaper, you know, rel- that's all relative anyhow, but they're cheaper to make, cheaper to buy, they are unique and they're just not the same thing over and over. I haven't played Assassin's Creed since I don't Brotherhood Part Two. I'm I'm a sucker for Ubisoft games, but <laughs> yeah, they are they are the same every time. Yeah. They absolutely visually are. stunning, but oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. On a topic of you know any games, is there anything that you're kind of looking forward to? I know myself. Speaking of any games, like Valheim just came out. I'm looking forward to kind of digging into that. Um, what about you? When you start making games full time, you barely have time to play them. Every time the the games that really call to me now are games like Warzone, where I can jump in. Sounds I, I sound like such a bro, like Call of Duty, bro. You got to play that. Trust <laughs> me. But it's you know I I hated Call of Duty for ten years, but it is a game I can play for an hour, catch up with my friends. And then take off, and I don't. I don't, I can quit in the middle one, and I don't care. And it's not like I'm rage quitting, but it's like I I gotta go. Bye. Right. You're not in the middle of some long raid or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you got some storyline, and you go to it like a week later. You're like, I don't remember what happened last time I played. And that, and that now I got to start over. That's an exact thing that I always try to remind uh, the teams that I work with is you. They're not going to play the games that we expect them to play the game. You might play this for a week and I, I don't know, your, your mother gets sick and you're gone for like two months and you come back and you, if we don't give them something to go, Hey, this is what you were doing. It's impossible for somebody to come back into it. Like a metal gear game. It's like, Oh, remember the 30 different button things that you have to do <laughs> to like even get in a cardboard box. It makes it, it makes it so daunting that I don't, I haven't picked up metal gear five since I don't know, like two years now, because I just know going back into it, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I had to relearn the whole game. And that's the thing, like those massive games, I just don't have time for. I might try Red Dead 2 because I did download it on the PS5 that I finally got. And it looks... Congratulations on that, by the way. I saw yeah. on your uh, your Twitter that you got one. I got one about last week too. It was so. a co-worker's sister won it at 7-Eleven. And she doesn't play Whoa. video games. She's, she's like, I don't need it. So like, I, I will buy it. I just joined the masses on the GameStops and the Walmarts of the world. And 
Yeah, I, I here you are getting one from a Seven Eleven. I was even trying nowinstock.net or .com, whatever it was, to see if couldn't find it at all. And then I was like, I'll I'll swoop and grab this little little stimulus check <laughs> waiting to go. be spent. Um, but what? Oh yeah, Red Dead Two. I might tr- I might try getting into that again because I only played it for maybe two weeks, and it was just like this is I don't have time for the rest of this. And that's about how much time I put into it, and but I just don't have any plans to go back to it. I did not care for without it the ps5 i probably wouldn't have ever gotten back into it but it looked so beautiful that i was like oh okay i'll give this i'll give this a whirl <laughs> it, is, it is a very pretty game and it's just uh it's crazy when you think that games like that can come out but then on the flip side games like cyberpunk 2077 can come out on the same console and be a completely different experience you know and that, did that just come down to just the development of it was just like they didn't test it well enough or how, how does something like that happen? A myriad of different things can happen. Um, what happened with that? I don't know. I did reach out to some of them and I'm like, you know, I'm sorry for how the internet is treating you guys. Like I've been in crunch mode before and having the pressure of following up the Witcher three also, who yeah. knows what happened? Like, I don't know. It It is a weird thing also of, they were in that weird transitional period that I, I don't recommend. Yes. Any, any developer, yeah. I, I don't recommend. Like, it's just a shame of going, okay, we're going to make this game. It's going to take us, you know, three years. It's going to be massive, maybe four years, whatever. Like, nothing has been announced for a new console. And then it comes out. It's like, well, we've made it for this older console, but truly, like, over the, the span of, this development process, we've noticed we need that better console to even run this thing. And not only that, like that better console is going to have games that are going to just be amazing looking and do what we're doing better. And we just didn't, we didn't know about this. Like I've, I've made a game before right. where I was like, Oh, I'll make it a mobile game. Cause you know, it's supposed to be, you know, mobile, you have it in your hands, touchscreen stuff. And then Nintendo switch comes out maybe like a, a year and a half, two years later, I was like, that's the perfect thing I should have made it for. And I have to redo everything to actually make it work for that. So what happened with it? I don't know. Uh, it's it's unfortunate. Hopefully they can get it all fixed up because I'm definitely interested in playing, but I don't have the hardware to play it unless they can get it to work on the PS4. Yeah. I mean, so. No Man's Sky, like that. that is a game where people just wanted to just destroy that company. <laughs> And they gave it. They gave it a couple of years of updates and stuff, and people love that game now. Yeah, they they handled it very well. They they continue to push it out, and they fixed their problems. And you know, I, I don't play it anymore, but I hear people say it's just it's a completely different yeah. game, and it's fantastic now. I, so. I never played the Witcher series. Um, how did people take the first one? Did people just go? Did people love that game? I don't know what the reception of part one and two I were. I think it was just. I think it was back in the day where social media wasn't as loud. Yeah, but there's still like, we all know Superman 64 is an awful game and we just, you know, everybody knows that. <laughs> but with part one and two, I've never heard a single thing. It's only The Witcher 3 that I've I ever heard either. about. I know, I know The Witcher 2 is well received. I know that. But I, I guess I'm not keen on how The Witcher 1 was originally received either when it came out. Yeah, so. I've never played The Witcher series until 3. And even then it was just... It was a pretty average game to gotcha. me. It was right in that right in that spot where it's like I, I want to like it, but you know 
I'll, I'll play through it because it's not the worst thing I've ever played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. That's a, that's a hot take. Hot take, hot take. Hot take. <laughs> it, it's just like serviceable pizza. You're like, yeah, it's still pizza. I'll eat it. Yeah. Might as well. Yeah, it's, it's like the old, the old saying, when pizza's great, it's great. And when it's, you know, bad, it's still good. Yeah. So... <laughs> Um, so we were talking about like cyberpunk and stuff like that, but, um, you know, you and Adam working on river city girls, um, what, what were some of the biggest hurdles that you guys came across in, in the development of river city girls? Was there any major hiccups that, uh, kind of threw everything off track? Um, probably getting my dumb ideas to actually work and, you know, make it feasible and make it on time and make it not break our budget and schedule like you you have when you're making up a game you have what i call the wouldn't it it be cool kind of category you get the base game done and then i learned especially being in charge of a team project it's like have the wouldn't it be cool thing this is the superfluous stuff that is oh my god that would be cool if we could get in there the game still functions as is but damn, wouldn't it be cool if we did this thing? So the hurdles, I mean, I, I, I guess it's I the fact that I can draw, not tooting my own horn. It's, you know, I was an artist before I did directing stuff. The fact that I can draw makes it so much easier for me to talk to a programmer that is, you know, might not be a visual person. They might not be a creative person. They are hey, I'm numbers. You tell me what to input here and what to do and how to make these things move. I'll do that. But I am not here to try to like design stuff. So me being able to draw and animate and just give them a visual reference, apparently it makes things a lot easier for my teams is where it's, I, I can I can talk to you all day about what a T-Rex looks like or I can just draw it and go, that's it. And you're like, oh, the arms are really tiny. I was like, yeah, I was trying to tell you they're really yeah. tiny. They don't make any sense. <laughs> Oh, I get it now. Okay. So, so yeah, hurdles. Other than that, it's always just pretty much uh, time and money. That's it. Once a game's completed and everything, obviously you've, you've done a couple of them. Going to kind of give you a moment to be a little less humble. What's been your objectively, your favorite work, your best work do you think that you've done? I would say probably... I, I would say River City Girls because that was okay. River City Ransom Underground. That was me learning how to even pixel animate, how to do. That means backgrounds. That means UI. That means having to do the animations of every enemy. If you grab an enemy, we need that enemy to be grabbed and all this kind of stuff. And then also doing design, all that kind of stuff with a team of about four people. And that's like two programmers, um, a QA guy and then me, but then going to way forward and like, okay, here, design a thing. Here's a team. Here's your like little cubicle area, get creative and having it to where we have, um, like I can actually now hire people to do all that stuff I was doing to where I was on vacation in Japan and I was staying with the monks in Mount Koya up in the mountains and I'm still on my laptop working because I had to, I couldn't take a vacation. I had to like, right. Well, you got to get these 20 animations done for this enemy and we need to get it done. We're running out of time. So having, having that creative freedom of, 
hey, amazing animator that we hired, um, can you do this? Here's some sketches, now go do this while I can go concentrate on something else. And having it, you know, having it be very well received. And that's, yeah, that's amazing. So we know Way Forward in the past has done remakes, remasters, and that kind of stuff, like, you know, DuckTales in 2013. Um, my question to you is if you could take any game of your choosing and do a remake or a remaster what is your what is your dream game to be able to just put a new spin on and modernize i will say because of the very nature of way forward i can't say (laughs) (laughs) because whatever i do say we most likely already have pitches and mock-ups for sure so i honestly I, i would be like well, um, I, I can't say this X and yeah. Z can't say. Okay. I, I will say there is like, I could say 10 different games and we might have like, well, we've been talking to people, so I can't even say anything. That is, that is the way forward way. We're very much about that. Like, um, I am more into the, let's take a really shitty game and make that good because that's the same thing because I, I have a film background like I came to Los Angeles, not for video games, for film. So video games just offered me a job first. So I was like, all right, sorry. Like, as I as I always describe it, I saw video games and movies falling off a cliff. And I did that scene where I jumped and I grabbed both of them and they're both slipping. And I saw they're like the rocks <laughs> below and they're like, no, save me. And I was like, I'm sorry. And I just dropped movies and I watched it fall and like break yeah. its spine on the, <laughs> the rocks and the waves washed yeah. over it. Video, video games had a stronger grip. Well, it, the, yeah, and they just offered more money. He's like, I'll pay you. I was like, oh, sorry. Um, yeah, and it, it matters. Being from there, yeah. I understand. But m- much like movies, I hate when they take a good movie and remake it. Take a crappy movie that had a great premise, remake that. So same with video games. It's like, oh, this game just, it looked awful, but it had such a great premise, but it just played awful. The camera wasn't ready at the time. Like it was PS1 and just, you couldn't, you know, control the camera. Take those kind of things and make a better version or a remaster or a remake or whatever. So I would have to ask you, I, I'm going to be the interviewer now. Buckle up guys. <laughs> okay. What? That's a, that's a healthy know, exercise right? sometimes. Um, <laughs> Sean, Sean, um, what game would you want to make a remake of? A reboot or a re- remaster? If I was going to make a remaster or a reboot of a game, um, I would probably go with Rygar on the NES. That's a good one. Um, I know there has been a Rygar 2 on the PlayStation 2, but that's not... That almost felt like the bones of God of War. Um, The way that game kind of played out, it almost felt like what God of War was almost inspired by. Just the huge chain disc armor hitting things around and beating them all up, which is to me, what kind of God of War kind of started is he's just in this big area beating things up with, were they like swords on a chain or yeah, whatever yeah. it was. And, uh, uh, the, the blades of chaos, the blades of chaos, the blades of chaos. <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of Rygar. I used to speed run Rygar. Um, I think right now I'm like ninth overall, like ninth on the leaderboard. So I've, I've been playing that game since I was like seven and it's always held a special place for me. And it would just be nice if it could get a nice clean, remake you know because the original is just full of glitches and graphical issues and that kind of stuff that you know a nice clean remake like they did for blaster master to the blaster master zero remake um 
what that was that was fantastically done um you know just a nice fresh coat of paint tighten up the mechanics i would love another rygar i i, w- I imagine if rygar had a roommate it would be rastan do you remember rastan that was the one where no. you were this barbarian guy you walked like this you could attack up and then you could stab downwards it was an arcade game you you if you saw it you'd be like rastan there it is <laughs> um okay uh ian uh what game would you do a remaster uh or redux uh, that's or redo that's a very good looking question yes, thank okay. you as uh, you were <laughs> um i don't know that's a good that's a good question i've always been kind of a big sucker for Star Fox way back on the snes and i'd like to see a more graphically intense version of that, but kind of the same core mechanics. Him, him running on the ground and fighting dinosaurs. No, no, <laughs> not not quite that old. No, no, no. Just uh, just in his ship, just doing Star Fox things. Gotcha. Not being some weird adventure game that was supposed to be on the GameCube or was and wasn't and whatever that one ended up being. I don't remember. But do you want there to only be like seven spoken lines in the whole game, so they just repeat them over and over, or do you want them to fully voice act everything? Sure, keep it classic. Well, I think that's about all the questions we have for you today, Ben, yeah. and um, I appreciate you stopping by. For the people listening, I uh, want you to give them a little idea of where they can find you if they want to keep up with what you're working on. Uh, Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Yep. Okay, that's just go I'm there and I mean, look around. I, <laughs> I have looked it up. I am the only Bannon Rudis in the world. You can, you can find me <laughs> just the simplest search. I, I'm, I can't hide. If you just type in Bannon Rudis, I'm the only one in the entire world. So there you go. <laughs> well, fantastic. Again, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Um, oh, thank you. It, it was a great time talking to you and uh, good luck with your upcoming projects that you have to stay hush on right now, but I'm um, definitely looking forward to them because I'm, I'm hoping they are what I think they are. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm definitely interested. I mean, the, we have like hinted at them, but I think we're, I mean, we've, I think we've even said what it was. So if you look up the games done quick charity event that we did, it's like, well, we kind of said it, but I, I've never given the official <laughs> word to go say it publicly. Well, everybody do some Googling. Yeah, Google away. You can find it out. Do some Googling. Look it up on YouTube. So, but uh, yes, this was enjoyable. But it was good talking to you, Bannon. I appreciate it. Hey, good, good luck with your future projects. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Player 2 Podcast with Sean and Ian. You can find us on Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram at RNG Streams to keep up to date on new episodes, support the show, and submit ideas to discuss on future episodes. Music by Aaron Lennon voiceover by Ian Scott. A special thanks to our guests and supporters that make this possible. 